Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Chirps, the show where we talk about your postseason bound St. Louis Cardinals. As I'm chuckling, it's because I think most of the season we started the show saying, well, that was a thing that happened. (laughs) And this time around, the thing that happened is the Cardinals actually in real life securing their postseason spot by claiming the second wild card, clinching it at home and celebrating accordingly. Tara and Alex back with you again to talk through all of this madness that Alex, to me, I I still don't like I don't even emotionally know how to feel right now because it still feels so strange to go from we're almost to the end. We don't have to watch them much longer to, hey, how long can this last? Because it's pretty fun. I think I opened last week's show just by saying, holy crap, because I didn't know what else to say. When we spoke, I was pretty certain the Cardinals were going to win the second wild card, be where they're at today at some point, uh, because they were in pretty good position. I would not have believed that had we ta- had you told me that we're going to talk again seven, eight days later, they still will, not, will have not lost a game. That would have seemed unbelievable to me. Uh, and so I have a question for you. As cool as it would be, and, and this is not going to happen, so we don't, this is very much hypothetical. This is probably not going to happen, especially because we are going to start to see like some players being arrested and stuff like that. But as cool as it would be to see the Cardinals close out the season with 22 straight wins, the only thing I sort of fear now from this season is that happening, and them, and then them losing like eight nothing in the in the plane. <laughs> my my husband and I were talking about this last night because he proposed a, a similar question. He said, "What would you rather see happen? You know, this team carry a winning streak all the way into the wild card game, or just go ahead and lose." <laughs> break that seal and and not feel like that pressure continues to build to hold on to the streak. And quite honestly, as strange as it is, because we talked last week about how fun winning streaks are and how absurd they seem and how rare they are, especially one like this, not just for the Cardinals, I mean, in baseball in general. And it feels strange saying I want that to end, but I almost want that to end so that there isn't kind of this double down pressure of keeping the streak alive in the wild card game. But I also don't want them to lose any momentum in terms of kind of taking their foot off the gas and, and getting out of whatever it is that they're doing right now. So I don't know quite what the right balance is there, but it does scare me a little bit as much fun as it is to see the streak continue the forward thinking part of me that knows that game is coming up quickly, uh, the wild card game that is, panics a little bit every time they continue to win. And then it's like, well, that's one more, that's one more game to tack on some pressure because, you know, at this point they've set the franchise record and all of that is, is great and wonderful and exciting. The, the winning streak got them to the place where they clinched a week early the as far as the postseason spot is concerned it doesn't mean a whole lot now other than it's just really cool to watch so i would not be terribly bothered by a loss or two in the next few days in order to kind of let everybody reset which which could be interesting because as you mentioned now that they're playing out the remainder of the brewer series and the series with the cubs without really much on the line um 
maybe we see some different guys getting a little bit more time, but at the same time, like I said, I, I don't want them to lose the mojo by changing things up too dramatically at this point. I don't know. I feel like everything we've watched them do this season that hasn't gone well, I certainly don't want to take away from what it is that they are doing well. But just from that sort of nervous fan perspective, yes, I'm a bit concerned that the winning streak could end just horribly in a wild card game gone wrong. And then what do you what do you make of all of this anyway? Well, e- even if that were to happen, uh, again, it, it, it probably won't. Closing out a season on a 22-game win streak, like having a record of 71 and 69, wait, what? Yeah, 71 and 69, and then just saying we're not going to lose again would be so amazing that yeah. I think I could let that kind of overshadow anything that happened after that. It would just be such a cool, unprecedented thing. You know, this doesn't happen in baseball. I, I think now they have the long, they're tied for the longest streak in the National League, going back to like 1935 or, or something crazy. They, they shattered their own personal record, which we talked about last week, of 14 straight, which also was in 1935. Um, although I could be wrong about when, when the last time a, t- a National League team won 17 in a row. But, you know, this is a sport where the really good teams lose 40% of their games. They're not, you're not supposed to go through over 10% of your season without winning. Uh, well, I mean, without losing or without winning for that, for that regard. Uh, um, it's such an amazing thing. I keep reminding myself during each game the last couple of days to really, really enjoy this because we're never going to see this again. Uh, we will see the Cardinals in the postseason again. We we will probably never see this again, even in this age of a lot of bad teams, because uh, it seems as though there are a lot, a lot of teams that are very, very bad compared to maybe in years past. Doesn't matter. We're not going to see a team do this ever again. So I'm really, really trying to enjoy it. I've I I don't know about you. I stayed up way too late last night. Uh, one, because I'm on the East Coast and we just get a the raw end of the deal no matter what. I, I just couldn't go to sleep. I was watching all the celebrations. Um, oh, and I forget where you're at in your uh, MLB, MLB TV status. But you know what? I, I don't know when they started doing this. But the post game now, has this been going on for a while now? But whatever the case, it used to the final out and then maybe four seconds, yeah. five seconds would pass before you would see that thank you for tuning in uh, kind of screen of uh, doom. Now you basically get to see the entire post game. So I was able to watch the celebration. I just couldn't go to bed. I was happy. Like I said, I'm enjoying this. I'm liking even the most boring, like you could tweet just, I like the Cardinals and I'm smashing that like button. Uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing this time of year. You know, what What really makes this winning streak special is not that they've won 17 games in a row. It's that they won 17 games in a row in September, in September, to put them into the playoffs. This is not something they did in June. Um where then they're like, okay, well, that was awesome. Uh, let's hope they can hold on you know, for the rest of the month. This is something where it's like they had their backs against the wall and said, well, I guess we have to win a bunch of games now if we want to make the playoffs. And that's exactly what they did. It's absolutely incredible. And 
like I said, I just keep having to remind myself, enjoy this as much as you possibly can because you're not going to see it again. And it truly is enjoyable. It's not a hard thing to sell. It's not a hard no, thing to tell no. myself. Like the way they're playing is great. They're, yeah. they're winning exciting games. As a lot of people have mentioned, they get down early and I, I'm not at all scared. And in the games, they don't get down early. It's like that 2014 where they're jumping out to a 5-0 lead by the right. second inning. It's just been so much fun to watch. Harrison Bader uh, is doing things that are, are really exciting in this day and age of baseball, which I, I get tired of people talking about it too. But when it seems like a lot of home runs and strikeouts and we have a guy who is getting on base and perhaps stealing a base and then making it home in a, a myriad of different ways, it's just super exciting to watch. And it, it's as Kyle, I think, tweeted last week, it's hilarious that it's this team, the team yeah. that we hated more than any other team uh, early, just a month ago, uh, is the one that is pulling this off. Well, and and to be fair, I saw a quote from Adam Wainwright last night, who we've spoken so highly of, of course, on the show because of what he's done this season on the field. But just, you know, it's hard not to be impressed with who Adam Wainwright is and how he carries himself. But he even said in the postgame, like, this was a team that was playing really bad baseball. And I believe he even said it might've been the worst that he'd ever seen this team, a Cardinals team playing since he'd been a Cardinal and then to turn it around because they knew there was more in them. You know, the, the sort of cliche things that they'll say at this point, but it's not as if we were just being too critical of this team. Like they were not fun to watch. They were not interesting. They were not exciting. Not just the losses, but the way that they were playing games, the way that they were losing games. It was not, it, it was hard to say, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch a Cardinals game tonight. And we've talked about that. This is so far from that, that it doesn't, I keep running into to Cardinals fans who just say, what happened? <laughs> And I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that because it's baseball and weird things happen all the time, but they've become incredibly personable. They've become exciting. They've become energetic in a way that, I, again, it, it doesn't seem to match up to no, no other team seems to match up to what we're seeing right now. And, you know, the, the reality is that was always who they were capable of being. We just weren't seeing it because of the slog of the season. But whatever it is that happened, yeah, they've made the last month of this season extraordinarily captivating. And it's hard to it's hard to think. So, you know, in a in a very what have you done for me lately kind of world, you're right. The fact that this happened in September is perfect for them because this is what people are going to remember about the 2021 Cardinals, not everything that happened leading up to this point, which was uh, you know, left a completely different feeling behind. So it's fun to see. I also watched the post game and the interviews and the conversations and whatever happened with Lars Newbar and TJ McFarland, which was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen in my life. I'm still not sure exactly what happened, but I wanted more of it. Um, but it's, it's something that as a fan of baseball, just in general, I can sit back and appreciate what's happening. As a fan of the Cardinals, it's amazing to see this team doing this. And honestly, I found myself really invested in the fact that 
Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and guys that have been around are getting to experience this as opposed to what they were experiencing two months ago because, you know, you just would have hated. Now I know they're going to be back uh, next season, but you just would have hated for kind of those lingering memories of the end of their career to be, well, they played with the worst team in a long time (laughs) in Cardinals history. So can you, in thinking about the last couple of weeks, identify something that has impressed you the most about either the run or about the games that they've won or whatever it is? Well, I think what has stuck out the most is that this offense has come alive. And if Harrison Bader, what's I already brought him up, but if he and uh, Tyler O'Neill, for instance, are even 80% as good going forward as they've been during this run, then the outfield feels pretty set. Uh, this feels all of a sudden feels like a really good offense, which it obviously did not feel for the first, it didn't feel like that for the first five months of the season. And I would note that we're often called a spoiled fan base and we probably are, but we weren't the only, it wasn't just Cardinal fans saying, Oh, this team is boring. I don't, this is awful. Uh, Jeff Passan was on the ESPN daily podcast yesterday with Pablo Torre, and they were talking about the Cardinals and Passan called them prior to, to this called them completely joyless. I think he used the words a $150 million mess. Um, and then, then this happened. And what happened is Paul Goldschmidt is on an incredible run. Uh, he is, uh, Gosh, I, I looked this morning, I already forgot, but he's, well, I'm going to look at it right now because I have it in front of me somewhere. But, you know, he's he, he's going to be well over a 5-1 player this year. Um, Tyler O'Neill is slugging the heck out of the ball. Let's see what else, you know. Um, Tyler O'Neill is, is perhaps the team's most valuable player. I mean, Tyler O'Neill ha- is basically a 5-1 player and he barely has over 500 plate appearances. To his name. So I, I think what has impressed me most is just, you know, if if you would squint, I always thought there was potential for for this offense, and I even said as much, kind of put myself out there that I thought this outfield could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't envision this this how good they've been during the last eighteen nineteen games, um, but I thought they had potential to. Maybe all because we've seen flashes from everyone, minus Dylan Carlson, who is kind of the new guy. So yeah, I, I would absolutely just have to say the offense and that the the pitching seems to have figured something out. They're they're not they're not walking people when they shouldn't be walking people. Uh, they, gosh, who was I listening to that said what we've all been thinking, which is that they've all of a sudden realized that with this defense, walking people is pretty bad. You should throw the ball across the plate and let the defense take care of it. And, and that's what they've been doing. But I, w- I would mostly point to the offense. It's, it's a team that I have faith in, that even when they're down. You know, that last game against the Cubs, and I remember feeling this way two years ago uh, when, they were, uh, when, when they were playing the Cubs in that epic four-game series, in that last game against the Cubs, just because you could just kind of feel in the air when they were down late 
I had the same feeling on Sunday, which is, oh, they can absolutely still win this game. And then once they tied it up, I was like, yeah, yeah, they're going to win this game. And and it they, they've just given you a confidence in the last two weeks that was 100% not there before. Yeah, it's so interesting because it does feel at this point, even in Tuesday's game, I felt like, okay, if they can tie it up, then they're going to win this game. And, you know, it wasn't like it was an insurmountable lead at that point or anything, but it just feels like, okay, if they can get back to even, wherever even is, if it's one run or five runs, that this is a team that's going to figure out a way to pull it off from there. And that's not to say that they will the rest of this last week, but it certainly is to say that there were times in I guess the majority of this season where it felt like, okay, if they don't take the lead here, not just tie it, if they don't come back and put enough runs on the board to take the lead, then, then there's no chance they're, they're not going to come back again. Um, So to do that full 180 and, and not only have the offense that you feel like can come back, but then have the pitching, as you mentioned, that you feel like can hold them off. You know, even if it's a one run game, even if it's a two run lead, you feel confidence in the offense's ability to give you some insurance late in a game. But you also feel pretty confident in the pitching that has gone out there and found a way to get out. Now, it isn't always pretty. Sometimes it gets a little weird because maybe you're playing the Cubs and they run the bases really poorly. I don't know. But they're they're getting outs in a lot of ways. They're trusting their defense. And the guys that have absolutely had to, and I think perhaps no one more than Giovanni Gallegos, has stepped into a role that he has never had before this late into a season and that he wasn't really expecting to have this season at all based on the guys who were supposed to be in that spot. And he's bent, but not broken more often than not. And even on the days, we've had conversations about it in the Birds on the Black uh, group chat on Twitter that, boy, when he doesn't have it, you can tell right away he pitches slow, it's labored, it's a struggle to get through it. But you're right, there's this idea that it seems like they're not afraid to pitch to the contact that they're allowing the way that maybe they were earlier in the season. I haven't looked at the numbers to back that up, but it, it feels like you know they're not nibbling around the strike zone as much in those moments where okay they absolutely need to come up with an out and the defense is holding up their end of the bargain even you know if it comes on some sort of bizarre infield fly what is it with the cardinals and the infield fly rule creating strange scenarios but nonetheless um you know it's hard for me to kind of pinpoint one most impressive thing because we talked about early this year It was every facet of the game that wasn't good. That Adam Wainwright quote I was talking about, he said the same thing. He said, you know, we we wouldn't score when we needed to. We would give up runs when we, you know, had a lead. And we would make mistakes defensively that we don't normally make. And it was all happening at the same time. So to see all of that turn around is... I think we still keep saying the same thing because it's still hard to figure out... uh, Jim Hayes kept asking everyone he talked to last night in the post game, what happened? What was the key? And every one of them was like, I don't mean, I don't know that it was one thing. It just sort of happened. <laughs> so maybe after the season, when everybody sits down and, and does some sort of postseason reflection, we'll get an idea of what some of those conversations were in the clubhouse uh, prior to this streak. But, you know, I think the, the, interesting thing about a team that does something like this whether it's a winning streak or you know 
bulldozing their way through a postseason that they probably had no business getting into is that it's so I uh, we ride the highs and lows of a season so dramatically compared to the way you have to think about it as a professional athlete. And, you know, they knew that they were not a great team, um, but they all felt like I would imagine from what we've heard, they all felt like this is the team they were capable of being. Uh, You don't always get to see it, but they're getting to see it. We're getting to see it. And it has them in a wild card game that could still be, I mean, it's not, going to be a, a walk in the park to get past that wild card game but for the first time all season I feel good about their chances I do too and I, I mean I feel good about their chances because it's one game uh, <laughs> and even if they're going up against uh, you know Scherzer or whoever a lot can happen and, and Scherzer by no means has a perfect record in the postseason either let's let's get that out of the way but you you said like we, we've been saying a lot of the same things over and over. I want to say something that I don't know if I don't know how much merit there is to this, but it's definitely nothing we've ever said before. But maybe we should also give props to the team for hitting that vaccination rate so quickly because mm-hmm. that just removed any sort of distraction or drama or like, oh, shoot, we're going to be without this guy for a couple weeks because he's in COVID protocols or, or something like that. Now, I know Wainwright at one point, um, gosh, that was so long ago. I don't even remember quite what the issue is. I know his he family, was, his family got okay. sick. Someone, yeah. someone had it in his family, right? Um, yeah, I think they all did, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that was a distraction that we saw hit a couple teams. Not a, I'm not saying it like tanked any teams or, or anything like that, but... Yeah. There were a few other teams. There were some teams I had to deal with that. And that was just something that, to my knowledge, really did not come up once throughout the season. And that was a nice thing to not even have to worry about, talk about. Um, And so good job on the Cardinals for, I believe, if they were not the first, they were one of the first teams Mm -hmm. to hit that 85% vaccination rate. So well done. I don't know how much that had to do with where we are right now, where the team is right now. Perhaps not at all, but it didn't hurt. Certainly didn't hurt. No, no. And I think they saw probably better than anybody last year, how quickly that can set guys back. And so they had probably the best real world experience with seeing. Now, you know, we've seen every league is handling things a little bit differently this year than they did last year. So maybe it wouldn't have created the same level of issue, Um, but they knew what was at stake. They knew what the options were. And, you know, there were guys that Tyler O'Neill being one of them who spoke uh, pretty openly that he didn't get vaccinated with the team right away, but did eventually when, you know, he felt like it was a good decision. Um, and you're right, whether that played into what they're doing right now or not, I think it kept that from being an issue one way or the other, right? They just didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to worry about it, which has not been the case in a number of other places. Um, so for our sake, it was nice to not have to talk about that <laughs> this season um, and not make that the the headline of the story week in and week out for this team. Um, you, okay, let's talk briefly about the wild card game. Sure. And I have two questions. Uh, one, you you mentioned it's just one game. Anything can happen. 
do you feel so they're kind of there's similar questions but do you feel more comfortable with this team in one game or in a series as far as them being able to pull off something uh, in the in the playoffs because one game still kind of feels like a crapshoot and the best team doesn't always win but a series is a whole different issue depending on the opponent and to tie into that would you rather face the Giants or the Dodgers in a one game situation so if this team had squeaked into that last spot let's say the Reds I mean you know, people are acting like the Reds collapsed down the stretch. They really didn't. We just won 17 games in a row. I mean, they didn't play. They weren't awesome, but they didn't collapse. But mm-hmm. So let's say the Cardinals kind of more squeaked into the playoffs um, with like an 85 and 77 record or something like that. And we're still kind of seeing some of the same issues we've seen here or there pop mm-hmm. up from time to time. If that were the case and you were to ask me that question, I would say I feel much more comfortable with this team in a one-game playoff <laughs> than I do in a series. Yeah. This is different because I legit feel like this team is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel as comfortable with them as you can in a one-game series, and I feel pretty confident with them in a series. I, that's not saying I would ever put money on them to beat the Dodgers in, in a in a five-game series uh, or, or the Giants. Um, because those teams are also very good. But I feel as though this team is in the discussion, whereas I didn't feel that way about them before. I would probably, well, not probably, I would definitely rather play the Dodgers in that one game and then play the Giants in a five-game series. Uh, the, the They're both excellent teams. The Giants, I believe, uh, well, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't believe I know because they were talking about it on Effectively Wild based on, uh, I think, research by Rob Maines. The Giants beat Pakoda by like record-breaking fashion this year. I think they were picked to win 70, who knows how many games, and they're going to win over 100. Uh, so they don't have the the year streak that the Cardinals have of beating Pakoda, but they just, in, in terms of a single season, they just like smashed the record. Uh, that said, the uh, Dodgers have a better Pythag record. I fear the Dodgers more than I do the Giants. And Ben Humphrey on Cardinals Day uh, Cardinals off day podcast made a really excellent point that I had never thought of, which is that this Cardinals defense, one of the best defenses in baseball might be better suited for an outfield. Like, gosh, I almost said 18. Is it still 18? What's it called now? Where San Francisco plays? I, I, I would have called it 18. Is it 18 still? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> whatever it is, beautiful ballpark, whatever yes. that beautiful ballpark is called, it might still be AT&T. Um, because they have such a huge, you know, that that like Bush mm-hmm. has been known as a traditionally more of a uh, suppresses offense, more of a pitcher's park, you know, lots of, you know, lots of open spaces in that outfield. I think if you poke around, you might still find Hunter Pence somewhere, uh, somewhere <laughs> out there. So I thought that was a great point. And I was already feeling like, you know what, I would rather have the Giants in a, in a series than the Dodgers. And that doesn't mean... We couldn't beat the Giants and get immediately swept by the Giants. You know, we couldn't beat the Dodgers and get immediately swept by the Giants. That could absolutely happen. But if you're asking me now, give me the Dodgers in that one-game playoff, and then uh, then let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I tend to agree. And I, I think for the obvious reasons that the Dodgers' starting rotation, I think, holds up much stronger in a five-game series and if you only have to deal with them in one game, you don't have to you don't have to beat those those that pitching staff. Um, 
as many times, but that's not to take anything away from the Giants. I think this is another team that a lot of people have said, how is this happening? (laughs) How are they winning this many games? And, you know, they just, every time you think they're about to fall off that pace, they, you know, win another series. And there's still enough movement there with this last week of baseball that either one of those teams could end up winning the division. But it does seem like the Giants have found a way all season. So for whatever reason, look, they're both 100-win teams. There's no way around the fact that playing either of them and getting past them in the postseason is going to be difficult. But I think, you know, there were a number of people saying it last night. There's not a team in baseball that really wants to play the Cardinals right now because of the way that they're playing, because of the way, you know, we've we've seen these late season rallies where teams looked like they were just barely going to make it into the playoffs and then all of a sudden look like the best team around. And I don't know if that's the case with the Cardinals, but like you said, I'm I'm willing to put them up against anyone right now with the way that they're playing. I think the thing that does worry me if the Cardinals were to get past a wild card game is <laughs> the Cardinals rotation still feels a little fragile to me. Like it's it's going well and, you know, knock on wood, it continues that way. It doesn't feel like a rotation that's really built for postseason baseball, but they've been doing things that I didn't think they were capable of thus far. So maybe I, I shouldn't get ahead of myself and panic too much about the Cardinals rotation when they still have to figure out who's going to pitch the wildcard game, which by all accounts should be Adam Wainwright. Uh, though they have continued to reiterate he's not going to skip starts the rest of the season. That was prior to this streak and prior to clinching a wildcard spot. So maybe that changes. Um, you know, they they throw someone uh, mildly irrelevant to the wildcard game in the final game of the season, the regular season. But I can't imagine a scenario in which Adam Wainwright doesn't pitch that game. Oh, he's definitely getting a game, especially now that we know that they're going to be able to rest um, the right people and, and have it lined up. I mean, I, <laughs> who else would you give it to? I, exactly. We were talking about this earlier. Um, I, I was, based on something Passon had said in the podcast I was talking about earlier, he said something to the effect that, you know, KK has thrown the second most innings or something like that on this team. And I was like, <laughs> huh. So I looked that up. Carlos Martinez is third. Uh, I, I can't even <laughs> who, by remember. by the way, has not pitched since July 4th. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who has not pitched. And if you had asked me, I may have said late May. I don't remember mm, those no. June and July 4th starts. I really don't. But he... Well, they weren't They weren't impressive. So. Yeah, well, good old, but good old Carlos Martinez was still apparently every five days getting the ball and making a start. Um, and so he is third in the team in innings pitched this year. And is basically nowhere to be. I mean, he wasn't, I, I, I don't know what, where he is right now, um, but he's not, he's not a part of this team. I think no. that's uh, fair to say. And that's because, you know, the, the starting rotation this year, opening day, we had Gant and Ponce de Leon. Uh, they're gone. Flaherty had major uh, injury issues and is thankfully uh, finally back to what capacity I think remains to be seen. And then you had Wainwright and Carlos and, KK didn't make his first start till late April. And um, so, yeah, those those acquisitions of Wade LeBlanc and Hap and Lester look a lot better than they did at the time. Yeah. But, yeah. but no, that's a roundabout way of saying Wainwright absolutely gets that start. Um, I would love nothing more than for him to pitch well and have a great start. Um, if he doesn't, 
as others have said, I want to see some 2011 Tony Larusa energy, and I want him out of there as soon as there's <laughs> any sort of trouble. Um, and that's no offense to Adam Wainwright. That's just respecting the one and done game. Yeah, it changes. It has to change how you see baseball strategy because it's unlike anything else in baseball. Right? You always have the mindset of winning the series. Guys in the post game interviews. Last night, we're talking about that, that, well, we we really just focused on trying to win the series and we ended up winning them all uh, up until this point. So, you know, you focus on on winning a series in baseball. Well, you you have to it's kind of like going into a winner take all game seven. You have to throw everything at the wall and put yourself in the position that best gives you the chance to win regardless of whose name is on the jersey and who you write into the starting lineup. I don't know that we've seen Mike Schilt be that aggressive very often. So it'll be interesting to see if there were to be any trouble, um, what that would look like. But, you know, hopefully Adam Wainwright continues to do what Adam Wainwright has done all season and and put himself very re- realistically in a Cy Young conversation. Not that I expect him to to win it, but he's going to get some votes down there somewhere and, and people are going to be talking about what he's doing in a, a season where he turned 40 in the middle of the year. And that's obviously your guy to start <laughs> to start a, a one-game playoff, um, play-in game, however you want to think of it, and then see what happens from there. I have nothing else to add. Other than, there it is. Yeah. There it is. That's all there is to say about this team doing what it's... That's not all there is to say. There's plenty to say about what they've done, but that's all that we're going to say for now because... Uh, there is a game coming up later this evening and we want to get this show out before the game starts so you can hear our reactions and our version of a, a celebration of clinching that wild card spot. One more thing I would say about that celebration. I thought it was appropriately muted for the fact that the season's not over. It was a wild card spot. They're in the middle of this streak and everybody was happy and celebrating, but also very quick to follow that up with. We're not we're, we, we still have work to do. So uh, this isn't did- it yet. Did you see Lars Newtbar in the... Well, except uh, for Lars Newtbar. <laughs> I mean, on the field, they weren't, no, you I, know, it wasn't the dog I, pile of all dog piles. I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I agree. And that that was such a sweet picture, um, such a nice and sweet picture they took at the end of uh, the whole team on the field because they yeah. looked so happy. Yeah. And um, I, I, I got to say, I, I've had such nice feelings about this team listening to John Lester talk about how mm-hmm. quickly he kind of assimilated into the the team because of how quickly they welcomed him. Um, I mean, who knows how much you always wonder when you hear quotes like that, how much that is just like a guy saying what first thing that comes to his head when they stick a microphone in his face. Right. And he doesn't want to say the opposite, obviously, <laughs> but I, I don't actually know. hate that's, it here. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just a nice thing to hear. It makes me feel good about this group of guys. Um, they seem to uh, gel with, with an yeah. exception of Ponce de Leon, who was, uh, but no longer uh, someone needed to See be jailed. So yeah, uh, let, let me let me ask you a quick question before we move yeah. on to the chirp of the week. What is the weather like right now in the Quad Cities? It is it's a fall. quite lovely. It's, it's, uh, so last week it was mid seventies for the highs, mm-hmm. low fifties at night, almost no humidity. This week it's back up into the eighties during the day, which okay. is a little, a little less hot. ideal, but there's still almost no humidity. So with a breeze, it still feels kind of fallish, even though the actual daytime temperatures are a little high. I ask only because 
it's been absolutely gorgeous here in, in terms of what you want fall to feel like. And it's, it's rare you can say about DC weather, ah, this is nice. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. And there's something about this weather and playoff, thinking about playoff baseball mm-hmm. that just gets me so excited. Like, like if it was high 80s and humid right now, I would be like 15% less excited about all of this than I am right now. It just feels right. I love this weather. I love, I don't know. This is playoff baseball. It's officially here. We got nice fall weather. The Cardinals are in. Let's do this. Hey, I'm in. I'm ready for it. Fall's not normally my favorite time of year. I have terrible seasonal allergies. (laughs) They're starting to bug me a little bit, which is, you know, especially fun. Still in a pandemic but nonetheless uh the fall weather is creeping closer and i agree it does it feels like it's that time and for the first time all season i do feel really excited about watching this team play and you know it sounds kind of bandwagony to say well no i'm excited to watching them play because they're winning all the time but it does make a difference it does change the energy of we were kind of joking about it felt a a little awkward in the stadium last night maybe because there just were more fans there than we've seen in a long time i don't know what it was but it does feel different that that feeling of like something really special is happening and it's the the time of year where we've seen really special things happen before so i'm with you i'm ready for it And, uh, you know, we got to get through this last week of regular season games, whatever ends up happening there. Hopefully, you know, we get to enjoy a little more of this streak and then um, settle in for whatever is to come in that ridiculous one game wild card series. Do we call it? It's a a single game. I don't know what you call it. It's it's one game. game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see what happens then. Uh, But Alex, we do want to close out with a quick chirp of the week. So, Passing the mic back over to you. Okay, thank you. Uh, our schedules are both busy this week, so we were having a hard time finding a time to record. And all of a sudden, kind of at the last second, we were like, all right, let's do it now. Well, because of that, I didn't have time to put together a trip of the week. So I was like, I'll just come up with one while we're talking. And I was struggling. And at first, I was just going to be like, well, the Cardinals have won 17 in a row, and Dizzy Dean war number 17 and there's your trip of the week i'll see you all next week but i did i i came up with something better based on something we were talking about i knew you could do it um thank you uh (laughs) courtesy as always um from baseball reference they're always a helpful guide and things like this but i'm gonna do one of those you've probably seen this online where you're like player a player b and these are their stats okay so i'm gonna do one of those all right and these are postseason stats for two pitchers Okay. Okay. Player A, 112 postseason innings pitched okay. with a 3.38 ERA. All right. With 137 strikeouts and a 2.98 strikeout to walk ratio. Okay. Again, I'll say it again. Player A, 112 innings pitched in the postseason with a 3.38 ERA, 137 strikeouts. In a 2.98 strikeout to walk ratio. Okay. Player B, 109 innings pitched in the postseason with a 2.89 ERA with 118 strikeouts and a 5.90 strikeout to walk ratio. Huh. So I'm going to give you the direct comparison. Player A had 112 innings pitched in the postseason. Player B had 109. Player A had a 3.38 ERA 
in the postseason. Player B, 2.89. Player A, 137 strikeouts in the postseason. Player B, 118. Player A, 2.98 strikeout to walk ratio, so about three strikeouts for every walk. Player B, 5.90 strikeout to walk ratio, so about six strikeouts for every walk. Do you want to take a stab at who player A is and who player B is? Is it possible that we're talking about Adam Wainwright and Clayton Kershaw? <laughs> uh, you got half of it right. Oh, Max Scherzer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> player A Player A is Max, is Max Scherzer. Okay. Player right. A with the 112 innings pitched, 3.38 ERA, 137 strikeouts, and 2.98 strikeout to walk ratio. That's Max Scherzer. Okay. Here's Adam Wainwright. 109 innings pitched, 2.89 ERA, 118 strikeouts, and a 5.90 strikeout to walk ratio. So, which is considerably better than Scherzer's. Uh, mm-hmm. I bring this up for two reasons. One, or a couple of reasons. They've both been very good in the postseason. And sure. to not make ever too much of these numbers, I mean, we're talking about small samples from years, you know, you know, Adam Wainwright first pitched in the postseason in 2006 and last did it, what, last season. You know, we, we don't want to talk too much about, like, in, in you know, five innings here and then right. four innings, whatever. Um but, and I think I've talked about this before in the Chirp of the Week, I think Wainwright has a reputation of, like, not being good in the postseason, and that's 100% not true. Uh, yep. He's actually been very, very good in the postseason. He's thrown, like I said, 110 innings and has an ERA under three and has a basically six-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio, which, which is very good. And Scherzer has also been very good in the postseason. But depending on how you want to look at these numbers, and these aren't the most advanced numbers in the world, but you can make a very strong case that he has not been as good as Adam Wainwright. He has walked a lot of batters. He has walked 46 batters in those 112 innings pitched in the postseason. So Max Scherzer is probably, in my opinion, I don't know if I want to call him the best pitcher of like, you know, of like this generation, but certainly sure. one of the best and yeah. one of the most exciting to watch. But he's by no means unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not. This is, doesn't quite feel like Pedro Martinez in 1999. We don't have to feel like we're going up against Roy Holiday and you know the years he was dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Scherzer is an awesome pitcher. He's not an unbeatable pitcher. Obviously, the same is true for Adam Wainwright. But they've both been two very, very good pitchers in the postseason and have a lot of postseason experience. I mean, being able to say, yeah, we've both easily thrown over 100 innings in the postseason shows that they have been on teams that have been steadily in the postseason. Um, and there you go. That's your chirp of the week. If uh, Granted, Max Scherzer is 37, whereas Adam Wainwright is 40. Uh, combined age of 77, I would like to know if this matchup happens, where that ranks on in, in sort of a playoff matchup. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. It's got to be up there, I would think. Uh, both both kind of older, older gentlemen. Um, but I guess you can say Scherzer has those three years of... Uh, <laughs> Of youth on on Wainwright so if you want to give him the nod by all means um and as of right now you know Max Scherzer probably is the better pitcher of the two even considering Wainwright's improbable and excellent year he has had but by no means go into that game thinking we cannot beat Max Scherzer Max Scherzer can definitely be beaten and who better than us hey I'm with you there and I think that you know, that's a matchup that um, seems like one of those that's really exciting on paper. It, I do think there is this idea, and I've 
caught myself thinking it too. Um, well, Adam Wainwright doesn't pitch as well in the postseason, maybe as some other other guys do. But I think obviously the numbers tell a different story, and I, the fact that he gets as many opportunities as he does says a lot about who he is um, as a pitcher and and what that looks like uh, going into that year. It'll it'll be interesting seeing Max Scherzer in the postseason. Uh, as a Dodger, that's uh, that's going to be different. Um, not that wins and losses mean a whole lot as far as pitchers are concerned, but Adam Wainwright does have more wins this season than uh, Max Scherzer does, although he was also not playing for a, a great team for a large portion of the season. So small sample sizes, who knows what will happen. But there it is. Well, since you brought up Clayton Kershaw, I'll, I'll very quickly, I just looked it up. Clayton Kershaw has thrown 189 innings okay in the postseason. a lot of innings <laughs> 4.19 era Ooh, yeah, yeah so um well, Not, if, uh... yeah if make of that what you will uh <laughs> sure. i i i believe it is a thing or at least at one time was a thing sure. that there's something about him in the postseason that he's just is struggling uh i'm not against someone saying that is silly uh we're talking about small small samples here and there and he's an excellent pitcher blah 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 which he most certainly is um, so believe what you will, but I'm just telling you the stats, just notes, notes yeah. to keep, uh, keep in the back of your mind as we talk small sample sizes going forward here. In fact, let's be honest, this streak that the Cardinals are on while long in terms of most winning streaks is still a relatively small sample size as far as who this team is and how these guys are playing. So hopefully, uh, the small sample size is more accurate for how they're going to play the next couple of days, the next couple of hopefully weeks and not the larger sample size of the previous five months of the season. Nonetheless, that is where we're going to wrap things up for today. Enjoy the rest of the final week of regular season baseball, knowing that the St. Louis Cardinals are once again in the postseason picture for one game or more. We'll find out and we'll talk about it when it all happens. For Alex, I'm Tara. Thanks for listening. Go check out Birds on the Black and all the things going on there and follow along with us on the internet and here on the podcast as we see what happens next in this weird and wild season of Cardinals baseball. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.